You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. Uh, last week I went uh, solo on the show. It was myself and Scott Fish. This week it's going to be a trio on the show. Doug Moore, uh, my co-host here on Overtime Ireland, is back once more. And we're glad to be joined on the show today by Charles McDonald. Uh, a lot of people will know him on Twitter. He's at 4 He's uh, doing some analysis uh, this past season for the NFL 1000 project uh, with the Bleacher Report, so I'm looking forward to talking to him a little bit about that. And he has, of course, the, the great Set in the Edge podcast as well. And uh, before I get to Doug, I want to get to the guest. So, uh, Charles, thanks for jumping aboard the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's, it's been really fun, you kind of making the circus this draft season and, you know, you know, talk with a lot of different people. So I'm, I'm glad that I, I was able to come on the show. Yeah, speaking of podcasts you're on very recently, uh, I listened last week to your uh, episode that you were on Matt, Matt Harmon's Backyard Banter podcast. Really enjoyed hearing your story on that. And of course, you're on the, on the Ringer podcast talking about the NFL draft uh, either last week or the week before. So you're definitely making that round, those rounds as we head towards the NFL draft. We'll be doing lots of draft talk on uh, today's podcast and we'll be talking a little bit about the Atlanta Falcons. Maybe we'll not talk about the Super Bowl because Doug being a New England Patriots fan, we, we don't want to have anyone following us on the show but we might talk some of, some of the positives for the Falcons heading into next season and then uh, and then we'll obviously um, talk some NFL news as well but Doug uh, obviously you weren't on the podcast last week it's good to to know that uh, you're still alive and well was there a doubt there was rumor circulating on Twitter but uh, nobody seemed to care it's not it's not no 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 just uh, it wasn't an issue of me maybe you should clarify I, I didn't I didn't miss the show last week on purpose. No, it wasn't on purpose. We had uh, I did mention on the show last week it was trying to fit it in with uh, all our schedules and uh, it just didn't work. So uh, I was glad to have yeah, Scott, yeah, Scott that's on. Right. I'm, yeah, I'm, that's I'm very it. glad yeah, to have you right. back you this week that. as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm doing. I'm doing well. Um, rumors of my demise uh, are uh, are squashed as of this moment. And obviously, when we start the show, I like to give a plug to the, the iTunes account, the Stitcher account. Uh, if you are listening on those devices, please do give us a, a, a good review on there. Helps move us up those rankings. And of course, make sure you hit that subscribe button. But I want to take this opportunity to remind all the listeners of this special promotion code we have, OTI10, to get 10% off all orders at europe.nflshop.com. Uh, you have heard of nflshop.com well this is the european equivalent uh, all the same branded merchandise really have everything covered that you want to get uh, all the new area gear and so on and so forth there uh, get some new merchandise ahead of the nfl draft or even after if you're waiting for after the nfl draft this code will still be valid all you have to do at checkout is use the code oti10 type it in there you'll save 10 percent off your entire order on the website the website is europe.nflshop.com that code is oti10 grab yourself some merch uh, we're going to talk now, um, starting off about the NFL Bleacher uh, NFL, or the Bleacher Report NFL 1000 series. Obviously, this past season, Charles, you looked at defensive tackles, and you know it's obviously uh, you've watched a lot of tape, and I've listened to you on a lot of other shows talking about it and kind of know the background to it. But for those who haven't had a chance to to read the series, uh, can you give a little bit of info for for the listeners that obviously they should go and check it out once the show's over? Yeah, so we it, it's kind of like a version of. Uh, PFF, but I guess not as you know the the details aren't as as excruciating as PFF has them. So we uh, kind of go in and grade 
uh, each week. So the rankings for one week may not be the same for another week. Like I remember, you know, this is an example that I just throw out. There was a week where Starlow Tulele finished as the uh, number one defensive tackle in the league, and I think he was like he had three sacks versus the Cardinals. And then the next week, uh, he was like back in the 30s or the 40s. And people ask, well, how could he be? How could be one one week and then in the 30s another week? Well, it's all taken week by week, and then at the end of the season, you get a cumulative grade there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun. And then uh, sometimes if a guy has a really nice performance, we get to do our own little feature piece that go on Bleacher Report. Like last, week, last year I wrote about Grady Jarrett in his first game against the uh, Seahawks and then Indomitian Sioux versus the Cardinals, I believe. So it's a lot of fun. You should definitely check it out. We have our draft guides rolling out right now, and we'll have you covered leading up to the draft. Uh, with obviously you put in a lot of hours last year watching defensive tackles on film was there any players that you kind of really enjoyed uh, watching more than others uh, that you kind of look forward to trying to check in on them each and every week yeah uh one of my favorites last year was michael pierce he's a defensive tackle for the baltimore ravens he was undrafted uh coming out of samford university and he's he's just an absolute beast like i thought they were thinking about letting Brandon Williams walked because Pierce was really almost as good as Williams was last year. But then once uh, Zach Orr had to retire and they just kind of had that casualties floating around, they they gave that money to Brandon Williams. But he's really good. And if you look at his athletic profile, he's, you know, pretty similar to Haloti Nada. You know, he's like six feet tall, uh, 339 pounds, I believe. And he had one he had a, a 10 year split of like 1.6 seconds, which is blazing fast for for somebody that size and you know like some of the bigger name guys i like to watch uh malcolm brown for the patriots leonard williams for the jets uh kyle williams i think is really underrated still for the bills and there's a lot of good players in the league it's fun being able to take a microscope to them each and every week and i learned i learned a lot about uh the nfl this year just by working on that project yeah, and you, you mentioned there Pierce. Obviously, my next question was kind of any under the kind of under the radar players heading into next year that uh, maybe some of the listeners should be taking a closer eye on. Obviously, he stands out there, and the Baltimore Ravens just continue to kind of to roll out those uh, defensive uh, superstars. Yeah, I would just say keep an eye on the entire uh, 2016 rookie class because there were a lot of good guys in that class. You know, we had a uh, Sheldon Rankins start off the season with a broken leg, but I think he played nine games and finished with four sacks and he was really good versus run for them uh vernon butler kenny clark javon hargrave uh even another undrafted guy darius latham for the raiders like there there are a lot of guys from last year's class that that should be able to take the next step and be uh you know really productive players in their second year that was a really strong group who who all had a pretty strong rookie seasons outside of uh jihad ward but you know you, you can't hit them all yeah, you mentioned uh, Kenny Clark there too. As a Packers fan, I was uh, I was he had some flashes last year, so I'm looking to see what he can do next year. Obviously, the the Packers needed a, more in the secondary in this draft class. Uh, I'm going to let Doug go first in this one, and then I'm going to get back uh, to you, Charles. Uh, the Patriots uh, locked up Alan Branch uh, this past week on a two-year contract. Uh, Doug, obviously, as a Patriots fan, Patriots reporter, uh, I'm sure you were pretty happy with that news. Yeah, I mean, when when you look at um, when you look at the team. You know, the defensive tackles and uh, their depth, you know, they, they drafted Vincent Valentine last year. Uh, he's raw, but he's definitely got a terrific strength, uh, great size at that position. 
Uh, he's coming along nicely, but then you have Malcolm Brown as well. But beyond that, before they signed Lawrence Guy from the Ravens, um, they really didn't have a lot of depth behind uh, those guys. And Al Branch really was the anchor of that that defensive line. Really underrated guy. Uh, obviously, he's he's up there in age, um, especially for someone at his position. But uh, really, just terrific against the run. He was able to play all three downs. You know, he was good against the pass. Didn't necessarily provide a lot of pressure, but he was able to take up blockers and be able to uh, to, to help other guys get into the, to the backfield. So uh, really, really underrated signing. Uh, he definitely deserved it. And um, so see, with a lot weaker of a class, I think, this year an interior defensive lineman, as opposed to last year, which Charles was talking about, it's important to, to get a guy like Branch under contract, which I think uh, – really it may go under the radar a little too much considering everything else the Patriots have done, but it's, it's equally as much uh, a huge signing for them. Yeah. Charles, would you uh, tend to agree with what Doug said there? Obviously you, you've been the defensive tackle guy. Yeah. Branch was, he was key for them. And I, like, I think when you look at the Patriots defense and what they like to do, they, they like to run uh, what's called a bare front, which is a nose tackle and two, three techniques. And, when you have guys like Branch Brown, uh, Valentin in his moments, that's a that's a pretty lethal, a pretty lethal duo up front. And then you know you can kind of mix in Trey Flowers in there too. So I, I think keeping Allen Branch as one, you know one of the key cogs of that front seven was was a really good signing for them. And uh, just uh, mentioned talking some Falcons, and the, I suppose I'll slot it in here when we're talking about the news. Uh, Desmond Trufant signed a new contract, five years, sixty two million dollars, and obviously as a player. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about this uh, cornerbacks class and, you know, the, the money that was given out by the New England Patriots and such to the position. But uh, Trufant, uh, as a Falcons fan, a Falcons reporter, your thoughts on uh, how he's how he's developed and uh, the contract that he was given by the Falcons? I thought it was appropriate because, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Uh, you know, when he's on his game, he, you know, I, Ian Warden, who I know we're all familiar with his work, he yeah. said that he thinks Trufant is arguably the best cornerback in the league. So when you look at the cornerback contracts that A.J. Bowie and Stephon Gilmore got this season, that was just kind of what was going to yeah. come next for Trufant. Um, I, I mean, and I'm happy about it because you, 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 you got out of that out of that 2013 draft, which a lot of people talk about being you know one of the worst drafts in recent memory. The Falcons were able to get. You know, four players that got second deals with Desmond Trufant, Robert Alford, uh, Levine Toilolo, and then Kamal Ishmael. So to kind of have uh, to have Alfred and Trufant locked up for the foreseeable future is going to let them focus on the defensive line, which is which is where they really need to put their uh, resources this, this in the draft. Yeah, and he's uh, he's continued to kind of develop nicely since he was drafted. So I think last year he really showed what he can do and. Uh, it was no surprise at all that that contract uh, was, you know, what those terms was what he got. The other one I wanted to ask you about was you, I seen a tweet you out, I think it was yesterday, and you were talking about uh, Dion Jones, the middle linebacker for the, the Falcons, uh, since their bye last year and how much he came on. Uh, just talk a little bit about uh, how impressed you've been with his development too as a, as a young player. Oh, man, I I love Dion Jones. And he, you know, it was funny because leading up to the draft, the two guys that I wanted on the Falcons were uh, – Keanu Neal and Deion Jones and what what happened with Deion Jones is like I think people got kind of caught up in that low light that he had versus Alabama where Jake Coker trucked him on the gold line and that just kind of scared a lot of people away but you know, I, I kind of looked at him and was like Look, this is a guy that can run and he probably ran you know, in the high four threes low four fours as pro day 
So I was really happy to see that uh, Dan Quinn took a chance on him in the second round. And he, he started off a little up and down, but you always saw that big speed, that big playmaking ability. And then after the bye, we just all started to click for him. And he had uh, big performances against Carolina, the Rams. He had uh, an interception versus Seattle in the uh, – I think it was versus Seattle in the uh, divisional round. So we, we look at a guy who's – not the biggest guy, but he can run in the four fours and he's going to beat offensive linemen to their spots and he's not afraid to hit and he, he's really technically sound in coverage. I, I think the sky's the limit for him. I think next year, we next year around this time, we could be talking about him as like a top seven or eight middle linebacker in the entire NFL. Yeah, and when you look at the, the kind of coaching tree that came out of Seattle with Gus Bradley and you know, Dan Quinn obviously now uh, in the Falcons, it looks like Dan Quinn might have the kind of best defensive mind out of all those guys that have left out there. So it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, step up next season with a lot of nice pieces starting to, to round into shape for the Falcons. Uh, Doug, I've uh, I've talked there for the last kind of five or ten minutes, so I'm going to let you uh, jump ahead with draft questions and I'll just let you take the, take the floor with whichever one you want to start with. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, Charles, you were, you were talking about, um, you know, for example, I guess it's a good lead-in with, with the Falcons needing some, some defensive, uh, you know, defensive line help. Um, I don't think it's nearly as strong of a class when you look at defensive linemen. Um, you know, edge rushers, are there's some good uh, top-end um, and even middle-round sort of depth. I'm just curious. Obviously, you hit on, on Keanu Neal and, and Deion Jones. Uh, who both were with the, you know, both did get drafted by the Falcons last year. Any guys in particular you, you think, you know, could really be a fit for the Falcons? Because, uh, you know, knowing your track record, probably one or two of them, if not all of them, will be on the team next year. <laughs> uh, well, I actually wrote up a post on the Falcoholic the other day. It was just kind of taking a guess at what their big board would look like based on, uh, you know, the athletic tendencies they've, they've shown in the past. And uh, a couple guys that I like for them uh, in round one, you know, Forrest Lamp, the guard from Western Kentucky. I don't know if he's going to be there, but if he is, I would imagine that that would take, you know, just a a few minutes for them to to, uh, make that decision and uh, send the card in because Chris Chester just retired and you kind of have a a pretty big hole there at right guard. And I think he can fill that in immediately. And another guy that I think is a dark horse pick for the number for the 31st overall uh, selection is, Derek Rivers, uh, edge rusher from Youngstown State, you know, like I, I think that uh, the Falcons, they, they really push hard to sign Poe because they didn't like the defensive tackle class. And, uh, you know, adding Poe and Jack Crawford to what was a, a group that was kind of coming into its own towards the end of the season was, I mean, I, I think it's a really good move, but you still are kind of missing like a true edge rusher across from Vic Beasley. And to get a guy like Derek Rivers, who I know that Dan Quinn has already personally worked out and is a big fan of and he had a really good combine and he fits their athletic thresholds and he's a pretty polished player already even though he's coming from the uh, fcs rankings i'll be really really pleased to see him at 31 if if force lamp is not on the board yeah i mean obviously you know we, we talk about you know how their defense and how they have a lot of young pieces under contract you know you look at true fine you look at Alford, you look at Deion jones keanu neal um you know, they definitely have some young pieces under contract for a good amount of time. You know, I think that that's one thing they've been looking for for a couple of years. Um, especially if they picked Beasley a couple of years ago out of uh, out of Clemson. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I guess what I'm curious about is, you know, looking at the offensive side of the ball for them, they have two really good running backs, Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. 
Um, but Devontae Freeman is in a contract year. They've said that, you know, they, they think they're going to, you know, re-sign him or, or get him to an extension uh, sometime before training camp. Do you think at all, especially in a class like this, you know, the running back class and the depth that we have in it, um, do you think, you know, there's a possibility that they, they draft someone maybe before day three that just is sort of a contingency in case they can't get him re-signed after, you know, seeing what, you know, other running backs are getting in, in the market? Yeah, I don't I, – I think that – I actually do think that they will pick a running back. I don't think it's going to happen on uh, – on day two, because I mean, so I, th- I think the Falcons have been a, a fairly transparent team since uh, Dan Quinn has arrived, and the big focus for them is trying to upgrade the the trenches. You know, so right guard, uh, maybe add a couple defensive linemen. But I, w- I mean, in the in the fifth round, I wouldn't be surprised if you know if like a guy like uh, let's say Kareem Hunt is sitting there. I I think that that would make a lot of sense for them, just because running back is kind of. I think running back is the one position that they'll be willing to kind of sway or I, I guess deviate from their athletic tendencies on uh, just because you look at, you know, Devonta Freeman was not the most athletic guy and Tevin Coleman, he, he's got that straight line speed, but his agility is, is, is shaky. So I, I think they kind of look more towards the tape there. Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, Kareem Hunt would be a guy to keep your eye on on day three if he's sitting around for the Falcons picks. Yeah, so I guess I had one more question talking about their offense. Moving away from the draft for a second, you know, one of the things we saw in the offseason for the Falcons, which I think is a little, you don't see very often for a team that was just in the Super Bowl, they actually replaced both their coordinators. One, they fired their defensive coordinator, and then Kyle Shanahan went to the 49ers. When you when you look at Kyle Shanahan's offense, you see how, you know, how fluid their, their offense was and, and how they were able to have a lot of success, especially in the spring offense in the league last year in point score and yardage per game um, what do you expect to see differently um, if anything at all between having a guy like Steve Sarkeesian being their offensive coordinator now as opposed to what Kyle Shanahan was doing with them uh, you know when you look at it first I know that they focused you know Shanahan was really big on focusing on one wide receiver I know he expanded a little bit more this past season, not only using Julio Jones, but also using Taylor Gabriel in the season along with Muhammad Sanu. How much of a change do you expect with the Falcons in their offensive scheme with uh, Sarkeesian going forward? I don't really expect a a change at all, really, because, I mean, when you go back and watch uh, Steve Sarkeesian at USC and Washington, he was calling plays there, they run a lot of the same stuff the Falcons do, so I, I really don't think that the offense will look that different. But, I mean, when you, when you have an offense with that offensive line, Matt Ryan coming off the MVP year, you know, you got Austin Hooper, Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, those receivers. It, even if the play calling does take uh, a little bit of a dip, which, I mean, I would naturally expect it to, you're still looking at, you know, a top five offensive unit just because of the, the talent they have in place. So I, I would expect it to look fairly similar to last year. I don't know if they're going to have like the ruthless efficiency up and down the field that they did last year, but still it, it should be a, a pretty explosive year for them. Yeah, they could even they could even have a quite a significant drop off and still be a, you know a, a top ten a top ten offense. So I, th- I think they're <laughs> yeah. probably going to fit in there and still pretty go pretty nicely. Uh, obviously. Doug mentioned uh, Kyle Shanahan and we'll kind of start to go from some of the better teams in the NFL now to starting to talk about some of the worst teams obviously at the top of the draft um, 
it's, I have a couple of questions here. I'm probably going to throw them all into one question, really. There's been a lot of rumours this kind of last couple of days of, you know, the Browns possibly being interested in a quarterback at, you know, number one or number 12. And then there's been talk that possibly the 49ers are interested in Fournette at number uh, two. You have the Jaguars at number four. Do you you buy into any of these or do you think it's just teams maybe looking to see if they can get a phone call from uh, somebody to trade down a couple of spots and and see uh, if anyone's willing willing to move up a couple of spots? Well, I kind of buy into the, the, uh, the Browns, you know, winning a quarterback at number one, just because, like, they need it so bad. You've had yeah. they've needed they need it so bad. And l- let's say that you know you get Miles Garrett number one, and he lives up to everything that you want him to be, and he's a double digit sack artist each year, and he's all pro. But at the same time, what if the 49ers pick you know Watson, Kaiser, Trubisky, Mahomes, and that guy lives up to his capability? That right. means you know the 49ers hit on more important position and that gives them a chance to go to the playoffs each year. So, I, I mean, I, I think it was Adam Schefter who said yesterday that Hugh Jackson was the one that was saying, like, hey, maybe we should think about taking a quarterback, number one, because, you know, they filled – they got their center and J.C. Trotter from the Packers. They signed Zeitler. They re-upped on a left guard. His name is escaping me right now. Uh, Joel Batonio. Oh, Joel yeah, Joel Batonio. So you have the offensive line. You have two really good backs. You have the receiver in place. So I, I could see Hugh just being like, yo, we need to just put a quarterback in this and then we'll pick the next best defensive player at 12. Yeah. Now, the one that I I just don't buy at all is the, the 49ers taking Fournette at two. Just because yeah. when you look at the history of Shanahan, uh, and his father, and even Bobby Turner, the running back coach that he brought over with him from Atlanta, they never spend a pick on a guy that early. Like, like them, them taking a pick at uh, them taking Fournette at two would really have to signify that they think that this is like Bo Jackson or, you know, Agent Peterson type special talent. And that's just never really been the Shanahan mantra. So I, that's that's one I'm just not buying at all. I think that's them trying to get a trade bait like from Jacksonville, Carolina to get up there and take for another. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think it was listening um, on the, the Set in the Edge podcast you did uh, the last episode of Sigmund Bloom. You you were talking about uh, the quarterbacks in this class and that you think they're getting an unfair reputation. You know, a lot of people are talking down the class, but, you know, with guys like Deshaun Watson, Mitchell Trubisky, Deshaun Kaiser, and Patrick Mahomes, you know, do you think they're, they are getting talked down a bit too much and we will see them uh, start to rise up to the, the early stage of the, that first round? Yeah, I do think they are getting uh, talked down a little bit too much. I mean, even with... Uh, I'm not the biggest Trubisky guy, but I I still like him better than I liked Golf and Wentz coming out last year. Um, so it's just kind of weird. Like when, when I look at what I well, like when I look at what I've graded compared to last year, I have four quarterbacks that are rated higher than the guys that went top two last year. And it, it's just kind of weird to see that you have these teams that need quarterbacks at the top, like uh, Cleveland, San Francisco. You can even put Chicago in there. The Jets. I mean. I, someone's going to, I think either one or two guys are going to end up going in, you know, those top six or seven picks just because it, it just doesn't make sense. Like you have these guys, you have Watson who's won all those games and he's, uh, you know, no issues off the field and he's been a Heisman contender twice. And it, it just, it just doesn't really make sense to me. Like we see it covered, like nobody's going to go in the first round, but someone's going to reach and I think it's better to take a quarterback this year than it was last year. And as we saw Jared Goff, he can't play. And uh, Wentz is, Wentz looks like he can be like an above average starter. 
So, I mean, when, when you look at, you know, this class, you, you said, I guess this is two questions. You, you said that, you know, the, the guys that you, you have at the top, you know, uh, Watson, Trubinsky, Mahomes, Kaiser, ranked higher than the guy who went number one last year, or and number two, actually. Um, I guess what I'm curious is, is that, do you still give them first-round grades? And then my other question, since we're talking about quarterbacks, is you mentioned these top four teams. You know, you talked about Cleveland, San Francisco, uh, Chicago, New York. Any There's a lot of talk this year about, you know, teams like Arizona, San Diego, um, you know, teams like that where they have a quarterback, but he's getting up there in age. Even the Giants, too, where they have a quarterback who's getting up there in age and they could be looking to draft their replacement. Is there any surprise team or any sleeper team that you think could actually take a quarterback in round one that maybe we never expected? So I guess my to, <laughs> my, my two questions are, one, do you have any quarterbacks for first-round grades this year? Um, and two, is there any surprise teams that you think could uh, could be taking a quarterback in, in, in the first I, – I'll say first round, but we can say really the first two rounds. Yeah, I, I, have, uh, I actually have three first-round grades this year with Watson uh, – Kaiser and Mahomes, and last year I I had uh, I had like a late I just late second round grade on Jared Goff and the uh, third round grade on Carson Wentz. So I mean that that was probably going to end up being too high on, on Jared Goff, and I, I think if Wentz, you know, I, it, Wentz kind of looks like a guy that that's just going to be like you know a Kirk Cousins level starter. I don't really think he's going to be special. So I'm a lot higher on uh, on on my top three than I was last year, and then Trubisky I have he's in my top forty. Um, it, it, I, I wouldn't have a problem with taking any of the four in the first round, really, uh, just because you need a quarterback, and I think all those guys can play in the league. Um, and the second question, I, I wouldn't. We were talking about this on uh, Seventy Edge last week with Sigmund Bloom, but you know, you talk about the Giants and uh, the Chargers might be in the market for a quarterback in the first round, but Saints with all this talk about. Ben Roth, yeah, the Saints too. With all this talk about Ben Roethlisberger potentially, you know, uh, wavering in and out of interest with football each year, would, would we be that surprised to see the Steelers take a quarterback at thirty if one sitting there? I've, I, I, I don't. I mean, when you, when you look at it, no. I mean, if, if there's a guy who, you know, is waiting up until you know early April to decide whether or not he's going to come back, when no one really expected him to, to not come back. Yeah, I, w- I would think that guy maybe is one or two years away. Now, granted, you talk about Ben Roethlisberger in this case, one of the most often injured quarterbacks. I mean, last year alone, he had knee surgery during the season and came back probably earlier than he, he needed to if they actually had a decent quarterback situation. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so that's a, that's, a, that's a fair point, definitely. I, there's been a lot of talk about Ben wanting a tight end and they want to go to Jabril Peppers and all that. So I guess maybe that would makes some sense too right Tom? Yeah, and uh, obviously don't uh, you cashing out your your tight end chips on Ladarius Green? <laughs> I um it, it's tough. <laughs> it's it's really tough because you know you, you look at you know you look at what what's going on with him, you know, he was signed to a big enough contract that you think that they were going to make a good investment in him and really focus on him. It's not it's not any fault of theirs, it's, it's Ladarius Green's concussion issues. Uh, granted, there could be more beyond that. I know he had issues with his ankle, I think. But it's tough. This is a great tight end class, just like it's a great yeah. running back class. So I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, they try and go after somebody because they really don't. I know they have Jesse James, but is he really a guy that they can count on being a, you know putting up production in that kind of offense that they want to? 
I could see them going after a tight end. So as much as I love Ladarius Green, <laughs> I, I think I, the answer is yes. It's tough. It's it's tough. Uh, it's really tough. What those right teams now. you mentioned with the quarterbacks, I think uh, what we'll probably see is uh, not not in the the first round anyway. But I could see if some of these guys start to fall to the the late second, we could see uh, you know an opportunity for them to take them there or else later on and the the draft as it moves forward. Uh, another player I want to talk about is uh, Joe Mixon. Obviously, there's a huge amount of uh, buzz gathering over the last um, you know kind of four or five weeks with him we know he's off the field issues but where, what round do you see him coming off the board uh, I would imagine at the moment it's looking like a, a second round or possibly early second round yeah I, I think it's going to be I think I think it's going to be in the second round and man it, it's tough because when I when I watch the you know I just watch the tape like I, I it's obvious he's very a very talented player and I've just kind of gone back and forth I can't really decide who I want my my number one running back to be just between Fournette, McCaffrey, Cook, and Mixon, like just on talent, I think all those guys are so talented, and they all have pathways to immediate success in the league. But uh, you bring in the off the field issues, and it, it's kind of funny seeing from, I, I think, like I guess from when he declared for the draft, and you know, people are talking about, oh, he's going to be drafted. UDFA day three, and now I, I think I think teams are kind of. Uh, I guess testing the waters, I would say a little bit, just like leaking info <laughs> to see how see how, the PR how it would how like yeah, just to try, kind of get a little sneak peek at the PR if we decide hey we're sitting at the top of the second round and we could really use the dynamic threat in our backfield. Let's see what let's see what the public reaction could be if we take Joe Mixon. So I I I I wouldn't even be surprised if he ends up like if a team trades up at like thirty two to get him like a playoff team. Um, Man, it's it's going to be fascinating to see where he goes, but I I do think he's going to end up being uh, a top fifty pick at the end of the day. Yeah, I mentioned obviously him. We we did mention Fournette already as well, but out of the rest of the running backs, and it is obviously a very talented class. Is there any that you have uh, you know maybe that you think uh, after after kind of Mixon's level, those top kind of five or six that maybe later on could be a value probably day uh, day three. Um, I haven't gotten too much into the running back clashes because I, I've looked at it from primarily a, a Falcons perspective, but I like, uh, Brian Hill out of Wyoming. I think he's, uh, it, it, when you look at, when you need a back that can be patient and run gap schemes the way that, uh, you know, that the Patriots like to run them where you run a lot of power and inside zone. And I, I, I think that he fits well in, in those type of offenses. I, I like, I think he could be one of those guys where we look a few years down the road and be like, oh, you know, he he's he was he was the mid round guy that ended up getting a thousand yards one season. Unfortunately, where my uh, computer and my microphone decided to stop working while recording the show. Uh, we did record another uh, about 10 minutes after this point, but unfortunately, uh, it was not to be. Uh, technology decided to uh, play a cruel trick on us, and um, that part has been lost uh, for 
ever. But uh, as we finish up the show, we did a few bits and pieces of uh, plugging some of the stuff the guys have uh, got going on. Doug, uh, obviously you hear him here weekly on OTI, and uh, he set up a new podcast as well with Lee Schefter um, of the Bleacher Report. The two of them will be covering the New England Patriots. Uh, it is called The Locker Room Guys. You can follow them on Twitter. It's at locker underscore room guys. And definitely, definitely worth uh, checking that out. Their first show scheduled to be recorded tonight, shortly after we finish this one up, uh, which is Wednesday night. So do be sure and uh, give them a follow on Twitter as they start up their new show and uh, give it a listen, especially if you're a New England Patriots fan. And Charles, as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, writes for the Falconaholic. You can check out his work there as well as his work on the NFL 1000 series with Bleacher Report. Uh, hashtag NFL1000 can help you find some more stuff on that there. And of course, uh, I mentioned the Set in the, Ed po- Set in the Edge podcast a number of times on the show. Fantastic podcast, and I, I definitely highly recommend going and giving it a listen to. I've really been enjoying it. Uh, there are 20 episodes in, but it's been a fantastic listen. Uh, Justin Muscada as well, uh, his guest host on that one, and a bit of fantastic range of guests. So, Check them out, uh, the two of them. He's on Twitter at Forbearance. Justin's on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. And uh, definitely uh, some fun uh, to listen to that. So two more podcasts to listen to later in the week after you listen to OTA. Of course, uh, Doug's on Twitter as well at NFL. I'm on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Apologize for the last couple of minutes being lost to the show, but hopefully you did enjoy getting to listen to what you did in that first half an hour. And um, of course, uh, I had a plug earlier in the show as well for the OTA10 at europe.nflshop.com. Be sure to check that out. The code is OTA10. So until we're back with the next show next week, hopefully with no technical issues, uh, uh, of course, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.